The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Burkett Pod is back with another great guest. I think out of all the folks I've been able to showcase so far on this podcast, this gentleman easily has the most frequent flyer miles. I got to know Andrew Zimmern years ago. One of the first times I ran into him, we were in a grilling competition against one another for Culver's. Whoever could grill a better butter burger was to be crowned the golden spatula or something like that. I think that was the prize. He won, of course, uh, but of course he did. He's a culinary whiz, so I was okay with that, obviously. And he used those chops in the food world to carve out a pretty remarkable career. His TV show, Bizarre Foods, on Travel Channel spawned many other digital and television offerings and creations that we're still seeing him and his uber-talented team produce. He's become an amazing ambassador for plenty of global endeavors, promoting impactful ways to think about, create, and live with food. He's become a brilliant businessman, for sure. His food footprint has now been integrated within sports franchises, and you'll hear about that, and is in sports stadiums as well. Andrew Zimmer's Canteen has some tasty offerings, and it actually started out as a food truck, which brings us to Random Ranks. Here now my top 11 names for unappetizing food trucks. Okay, number 11, we do the top 11. That's just how we do. The Calamari Mobile. Number 10, Gravy Train. <laughs> I don't, I think they just serve gravy. It's, it's just uh, maybe on toast, I'm not sure. Number nine, the Ramen Rover. That actually sounds awesome. I'd go for some ramen right about now. Number eight, Portable Gizzards. Number seven, the most unappetizing food truck names, Sprout Wagon. Number six, Tuna Bus. <laughs> Number five, the Salisbury Steak Fan. That's just, that's just, you know something sketchy's going on inside the Salisbury Steak Fan. That's all I'm saying. Number four, Jambalaya Jeep. Number three, Anchovies on the Go. Number two, the Foie Gras Buggy. And number one, most unappetizing food truck, Eels on Wheels. I actually love me some unagi, though. Hey, just a quick thank you before I get into this too deep. Thanks for choosing Perkett Pod. We love that you're listening to us on the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. We love the feedback we've been getting on these, and we invite you to spread the word. Let's continue to get the Perkett Pod franchise out there. We love doing it, so be sure to subscribe. It doesn't cost a thing, and it helps us immensely, and we will continue to get top-tier guests like the one we bring you today. Andrew Zimmern may be a New Yorker, but he has embraced Minnesota, and we have embraced him. We can't wait to find out what he's got cooking next. Sorry. And by his own admission, he believes 2020 is going to be an awesome year. He's also a huge sports fan, and it was a joy to kind of pin him down long enough to chat recently at his offices here in the Twin Cities. Here now, my conversation with Andrew Zimmern. Perk Find out what he'll say. Perk Sometimes he's aptly. Perk Who's coming on today? Perk we are here with Andrew Zimmern, who is uh, eating cheese puffs right now. So I, I guess when in the Rome. real ones, when in Rome, the real ones. I see the I see the needle popping on that. We too. have really good snacks here in this office. So this is your office. We should mention this is in St. Louis Park. This is the mm -hmm. hub of all things Andrew Zimmern and all your teammates. And I know it takes a village. And I know you've got a lot of amazing people here. First of all, thank you so much for doing this because I know how busy your 
ridiculously busier schedule is. I would do anything for you because 16 years ago at that party, you took a cell phone video that let's just say I'm just hugely indebted to you for never releasing. Yeah. And, and I don't have it on my phone anymore because I switched phones. But, but I, it's on a laptop. It's somewhere. It's, uh, You've got it somewhere. Zip drive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I almost feel like I, sh- I should speak really quickly because you probably only have 20 minutes and then you're off to the next meeting. But, but, but again, I have all the time in the world for you. You're too kind. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. I, uh, I am, I'm fascinated um, to talk to you about so many things, but I really, this is, I mean, Perkett pod really kind of hones in on sports icons and influencers here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of great guests already. Yep. And I know how much of a sports goober you are. I mean, oh, it's absurd, right? Absurd. Were you ever an athlete? Like, was there For ever a time a- when you were like nine? Oh were, gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I endlessly competitive. I got it from my father. When you're young, there was no in this. I'm 58. So mm-hmm. in the 60s, when I was in my single digit years, um, I went to baseball camp uh, every single summer up until I started going to sleepaway camp, which was heavily competitive. You were on teams. Okay. They kept score. Yeah. I'm the era where it was like there was dodgeball and it was kind of okay if you threw the ball at someone's face because yeah. it was like expected, like learn to catch it. Yeah. I mean, that was the, at my school and that was, I'm not advocating for that now. I don't, please don't at me on Twitter. I'm just saying that's the way it was. Everything kept score. There was no ribbon given out for, hey, you participated, right? right? Now, as a parent now watching my son go through the exact opposite kind of education, I, I think we we need something more down the middle. We've kind of strayed to the far end. I think there's an aspect of competition that's really, really good. So uh, very competitive, got really into the sports, you know, started leaning into things that I was good at. Um, And my father encouraged me to do all kinds of things. High school, we had had the smallest school in the toughest league. And then to preserve league status in New York City, we had to play some out of league games. So in high school, we would, I I wrestled for three years in high school as an example. Okay. And I would, we'd we'd go in, we barely had, I'm not sure if we filled every weight class in it. We always forfeited a match or two because we couldn't fill necessarily every weight class. With you. And when we went up against some of the other schools in our league, you know, we, we lost a lot. We had a couple of actually really good wrestlers. One of my, two of my very good friends who ended up uh, getting to the state championships, um, which in New York is a big deal. Well, any state's a big deal. Uh, but we would then go play these out of conference uh, matches. So on a Tuesday afternoon, we would drive all the way out to the edges of um, Nassau County, and we would play Long Island Lutheran. So there we are. We had no JV wrestling team. We couldn't even fill every weight class in the varsity. They had a JV, A, B, and C team. They would come in with their hoods on and just keep circling. <laughs> like jogging around. The ma- and, and <laughs> exactly, and it was such a psych out. And in my very last match as a Dalton Tiger wrestler, 
my because you know right before the match comes on your coach pulls you aside you have 30 seconds of one-on-one time and he's like you know hey this guy is really susceptible to the wizard you know pop and go single whatever little tip right and he's trying to boost you up and like you got this you've been working hard all week on your Granby role like let's just look for that kind yeah. of thing so I was going up against this kid named Johnny Reagan now we were both juniors as a sophomore he had won the state champion I'm impressed you remember his name that's pretty well awesome. I I I do because I follow. He ended up being an Olympian. He oh, wow. he became a net when he was a as a sophomore. He'd also gone on to the nationals as a junior and senior. I think he was national high school champion. He was okay. just one of these epically talented world class. He was a world class wrestler. Big darn deal. And I was like sucking weight to get down to one sixty five. And I I uh, if you're gonna be an athlete a competitive athlete in high school you shot you probably shouldn't be doing as many drugs or drinking as much as I was at the at the time also which was a, an issue because you're not focused you're not physically tuned I'm not advocating I'm just saying that's where I was that's where you were and um the coach just looked at me looked across the mat at Johnny Reagan gave me a little swat on the fanny and said good luck <laughs> and we went out the first minute I wrestled him to a standoff and for like a second there I thought to myself Wow, I'm, I'm hanging here. I'm hanging like yeah. like either I'm having the match of my life, or he's just messing he's not that good. Or it never occurred to me he's messing. With okay, me. he okay. just wasn't one of those guys. Right. He wanted to kill me, and uh, we were scrambling. We went out of bounds. He was on top of me. He'd come behind me. Ref put us into a down position. Him in control. He's got his right hand around my back hand against my belly left hand on my elbow I'm thinking sit out roll and we're both up again and I'm going to take this son of a gun down the next thing I remember is I just looking up and he's waving the medics on because he had broken Shut my up. arm Are with you his serious? bare hands oh no now not he he wasn't doing it to be mean or anything he just I had in trying to sit out and him like holding me down because I'm not good. I had actually like rolled over and where his hands were like my knee got in the way and I, I broke my arm. That was the end of my wrestling career. Um, but I, yeah, I played, a, I played a lot of sports, uh, a lot of baseball, kept playing intramural baseball through uh, college and played summer league baseball, second base for a couple years, uh, summers out in Long Island right after college. The Yankees um, fan. And then work got too into it. Um, Growing up, I was a Mets fan um, because my father was doing a lot of advertisements for the for the Mets and a lot of their beer sponsors. What did and he do? Ryan, he was in the advertising business. Awesome. So, um, and the Mets in the late those Miracle Mets, we went out and those were the days, by the way, when there were no night World Series games. Um, it was before you were born. Yeah. And so, my I remember my dad coming in '69 and taking me out of school, which was the coolest thing. I heard his footsteps and I knew he was coming to pull me out of the room to drive out to Shea Stadium to go see, you know, Tommy Agee and Tom Seaver. That's the, that was the first just, name I was thinking of was Tommy Agee. I mean, you know, just this incredible team. Was Bud Harrelson on that, that went, team? Oh yeah, okay. that went, you know, that was that went from, you know, worse to first. I mean, just an incredible story. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, super vividly. I mean, I had Nolan Ryan baseball glove. I had a Nolan Ryan, sh Nolan Ryan sheets and pillowcases in my bed. I had Nolan Ryan pictures on my okay, walls. He was the man. He was the man. Okay. And then the Mets traded him, and it broke my heart. And then I became a Yankees fan because I couldn't watch the Mets. You're, right? You were you were that pissed. I off. was devastated. 
So a couple interesting things happened over the course of my baseball career. A couple little side notes. Number one, when we adopted Noah, I wanted to name him Thurman. And my wife shot that down right away because I just love Thurman Munson. I thought it was a great tribute. And we would never actually call him Thurman. You'd call him T or Thurm or there'd be some other nickname, Bob, or right? But his legal name would be Thurman. And I thought that would be a great nod to the captain of captains, right? And but no, that was that was that was a no go. Which when I tell Noah that today, he just thinks it's the most hysterical thing in the whole world. The, Sometimes the I call him Thurman just to <laughs> tick him off. <laughs> by um, the way, by the way, my kid is named George because right. uh, uh, George Brett. Of and, course, and, and I was a huge Yank- Royals fan, and I can't tell you how many times. The Yankees broke my heart, 76, 77, well, 78. Those were great years for all those teams, and that rivalry was incredible. Um, 1977, my, I'm watching, it's my birthday, mm-hmm. October 14th, 1977. I'm watching the, the final game between mm-hmm. the Royals and the Yankees, and Chris Chambliss yeah. comes to the plate, and the rest is history. And I am bawling in, in, my, in, in our rec room basement. Do you know what I was doing bawling. at that time? What were you doing? We were, I was in, because I remember exactly where I was. I was watching on the TV in my room and I heard all of this like noise outside. And this is on 71st Street. You're hearing it outside. This is on 70, I'm not at the stadium, right? awesome. This is in Manhattan. And I went out and there was like pebbly glass on my bathroom window. And I opened the window and all you could see out of the skyscrapers was people throwing rolls of toilet paper to create streamers. All over. It was, I will never forget as long as I live that, that Chris Chambliss, he had quite a game. Yeah, that oh whole yeah game. no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, then, and then my mom brings down what was a Kansas City Royals custom birthday, birthday mm-hmm. cake for me. Yep. Like in hopes that it would you be a, this that. giant celebratory yeah. night. And then, and, then the, and then it opened up the, the yep. floodgates even more. So, so I became this Yankees fan yeah. uh, at, at the right time. And they, were, they had a great era, you know, the Reggie Jackson, Chris Chambliss uh, teams. And uh, I had a chance to meet Nolan Ryan many years later in my TV career. Awesome. And, uh, well, don't meet your heroes. It doesn't always work out that way. Um, So I figured I'd break the ice with him. Everyone told me he's kind of a tough man. And... You know, I you know I said, hey, I, she, you know, I was Mets fan. I told him the story. Did you know? know who, did he know who you were? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, great. That was it. Wouldn't give me anything. So we did the segment. Segment was okay, and you know how it is when you're with someone who's just not into it. And it was just clearly he was not into it. So afterwards, the PR people who we were working with came to me and said, yeah, sorry about Nolan. He's kind of a tough guy. And I said, oh, and as we're leaving, one of the young PR guys tells me this story. He said, we've tried to get Nolan to donate to the Children's Cancer Research Fund or whatever their corollary is down in Houston. He kept saying, no, no, no. He said, look, we can get a hundred grand. Someone with a lot of money will pay a hundred grand, you know, to take BP, you know, against you before a game, you know, game of your choice, you know, and Nolan Ryan finally agreed. So the appointed day came, and the guy who'd paid all this money shows up. Nolan didn't take pictures with him, went out to the mound, threw three 80-mile-an-hour balls, you know, right past him, and walked back into the dugout. And the PR people are running after him like, you know, can you let, can you take a picture? Can you let him hit one? Whatever he said, that was not the giveaway. The giveaway was he stood in against me. I mean, that's how competitive 
and tough Nolan Ryan was, which as a young kid is his it was like why I loved him and why he was, you know, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But, uh, you know, I hear you. Because not the easiest like, guy to get along like with. Like I did a Perk at Play segment and it was John McEnroe was doing a Legends tour at Excel Energy Center playing tennis with like James Blake and Jim Courier and, and whatnot. You can chew the cheese pup. It's okay. Uh, you're, I'm just leaning away from okay, the microphone right. so people can hear you. <laughs> um, and and uh, so like I'm, I, I go, I got to rope him into the bit. It's not, it's mm-hmm. not going to be, a, you know, if I don't ask him. But like this is a guy who, like you, I had mm-hmm. posters of this man on my on, I on played my, against him in high school. Shut on up. Our tennis team. In Queens? In doubles. No, he was, he was a collegiate. Um, and he, by the way, turned pro like a year later. At Stanford, right? He and well, didn't he go to Stanford or did like for a year? I mean, he turned okay. pro when he was like nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Right? No, no, you're so, freaking me out. So okay. we, I played him. I what? Was, yeah, Were you, did you play doubles? Tennis? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and we got in. They beat us six zero six zero, and we got one point off them. <laughs> He was much better than everyone else. And we right. kept telling everybody, this guy is really good. And we all knew because he had come. He was playing summer. He was going to all these tennis camps. Everyone knew his juniors. You know, aside from his school league when he was, was it Collegiate or Trinity? I think it was, I forget which high school. It was either Collegiate or Trinity he attended in New oh York. But anyway, the, the great thing is that, I mean, it was a smoke show. I yeah. mean, we were done. Yeah. He was so good. And then like two years later, I see him at Wimbledon. And I'm like, oh, okay. I feel a lot <laughs> I feel a lot See, better. Why do you always get stuck with the really good guy? You get wrestle against no, an Olympian exactly. and you have to play tennis against McEnroe? This oh is my, my life story. It's a, it's a wonder that I have uh, survived. That my biggest sports uh, glory moment, though, was the uh, the All-Star game here Yeah. Uh, in, uh, what, five years ago? Something like that. Yeah. And I got to play in the Celebrity uh, Legends game so yeah. you're hanging out with the legends all weekend long doing make-a-wish stuff doing other volunteer things right. and you're you're basically with your heroes all you know for 72 hours then you're actually playing a game with them and some of the like three or four of my favorite sports stories of all time took place that that weekend um that was a great weekend my favorite it was a great weekend i i actually i'm in the locker room and you've been in the twins locker room and it's like these little clover leaves these little pods with three or four lockers in them and i'm assigned an area with adrian peterson and zach parisi so they're all trying to figure out they're holding up the uni stuff and i'm just you know i knew how to put on the the uniform in what order they They've just like baseball, like what? <laughs> so I'm kind of showing them. And I realize oh, all three of us are are basically naked, right? So as for anyone who knows me, I'm not. I'm almost as chis- how should I phrase this? I'm almost as chiseled, chiseled yeah. as Adrian Peterson and Zach Parisi, right? Right, sure you are. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, and I had guessed at pant size or whatever, and the pants ran a little tight. You know, so I'm trying to squeeze them together, right? And from across the locker room, Raleigh Fingers and Jack Morris are sitting on this bench, you know, 30 feet away, watching this hysterical thing unfold because we're all, they're giving, everyone's giving me a lot of crap and I can't make this thing close. And Raleigh Fingers gets everyone's attention. She goes, look at that. Look at that. Look at Zimmern. 
that's a baseball player's body. That's a ball player's body. <laughs> Never forget as long as I live. Oh, and I was glorious. the web gem. You you know, it's the only weekend there's no sports yep. on TV. So they usually take funny clips and stuff like that. And I had I started a very inadequate double play, but a double play nevertheless. You were on web gems. I thought, and I was I was a defensive web gem. So I, I lured that over all of my, oh my, gosh. my baseball playing. By the way, friends. side note. <laughs> Raleigh Fingers or Jack Morris, who has a better mustache? Oh I mean, God. that's like crazy, right? Well, for and, and two great guys. I mean, you yeah. know, the the I've had a chance to get to know Jack pretty well over the years here, and I've met Raleigh a couple times. You know, both on the West Coast and and then All Star Weekend, and you know, those guys are just absolutely fantastic. The really funny one was Dwight Gooden coming up to me and saying, you know, and I watched him sure. play, and we would go, you know, when the Mets got good in the eighties. Uh, we'd go out from the city and go to Mets games all the time. And uh, Dwight Gooden, I see him looking at me, and he's walking towards me, and I'm like looking behind me to see who he's going towards. Right. And uh, he walks up and goes, hey, you know, Andrew Zimmer, we're, we're big fans. My kids are here. My wife is here. Would you mind ducking outside and taking a picture with them? Like, my, they're huge fans. And I'm just like, well, yeah, sure. And, you know, I go outside, oh, have this whole thing. And um, Dwight is doing a whole recovery advocacy program and has uh, a business now helping people get sober and stuff like that. Awesome. So I, I said to him, hey, I, I know what you're doing. I just think it's incredible. And congratulations on, you know, finally tackling your deal. I'm just having a private moment, sober sure. guy to sober guy, because yeah. I've been sober 28 years. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's, you know, so great to meet you. And I'm like, I'm like, Dwight, we were we were in Smithers together. We we had been in treat. We had overlapped at a treatment center in New York like decades ago. <laughs> just speaks to the power of the disease. But it's just one of my favorite stories because wow. you just forget those yeah. those kind of crazy things. There's something to be said about um, just you know childhood idols. Like you know I'll I'll I'll, I'll go out and about and, and I'll interview athlete after athlete now and it's just it doesn't I mean it's I realize that it's you know a lot of people would love to be in that position to be able to talk to these athletes but like n there's just nothing that resonates like childhood oh I no so, oh my god those like, are the people I'm nervous but which is why the yeah. all-star you know, to to be in front Ozzie Smith was the guy that got out at second base right uh, when I started this double play and as he's jog I'm on the ground right and I'm not sure I can get up I think I've pulled something and as he's looking down at me instead of saying you okay he goes nice play oh my god and when I got up I literally limp I, I limp ran after him <laughs> and the first base coach on our because I'm playing second so I'm running towards first base following him into the National League dugout right. and he's looking at it, it they're saying go back go but you know there's another batter and I'm like I need to know I need to find out like and I was like you know Ozzy Ozzy and he turns around and I said when you said good play did you mean that like politely or <laughs> was that actually a good play he goes no actually a good play and I was like oh yes yes but those because those are the guys that you grow up watching and idolizing oh, yeah. and fetishizing in a way awesome. that you put them up on on I mean it's like Sonny Jurgensen I got to meet Sonny Jurgensen wow. once I couldn't talk I couldn't talk because I used to watch him with that single bar helmet and just, I just, there was something about Sonny Jurgensen that I just loved. And he, and we would watch all of these comeback games that Sonny Jurgensen would, would lead with Washington teams that were not that great. 
but he could he could score 14 21 points you know in a fourth quarter as well as anybody you know back in the day and it just it just incredible to be around That's some of awesome, these people uh, so you now i mean your your life has taken you into some pretty uh, um, amazing paths. everyone loves food uh right and, <laughs> and 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 it's it's offered you this this unbelievable lifestyle we've been able to travel the globe and 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 there's been this kind of interesting convergence between what you're trying to do and the message you're trying to get out there and 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 the businesses that you're trying to run and the mm-hmm. empire that you're building and, and but but also that this this the celebrity part of it is that been uh has that been hard to adjust to or was that always kind of like were you kind of always okay with that and and both okay. um i was it's a great question in high school, you know, like I ran for class president and I was the class clown and I was, you know, and so I was always comfortable being the person in the, like I wanted to be the person in the room. Okay. When I left restaurants, uh, full time, uh, gosh, what was that? Uh, 1999, 2000, something like that. Um, it was to look for things with a bigger platform because I had bigger stories I wanted to tell. To me, it was always about the storytelling. It wasn't about me, 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 me. Um, it was about telling the stories, bigger audience, telling the stories, bigger audience with the goal of changing the way people thought and felt. Was that really the, the goal? Better. Was that really, did you have oh, kind of stated purposeful, awesome. you know, our mission statements at all three of our businesses here have never changed. Mm-hmm. You know, it is about, you know, curiosity, exploration, adventure, learning, and storytelling that all leaves the world a better place. And if if a deal comes our way that doesn't tick all those boxes, whether it's at our hospitality company, our marketing group, or in our production company, we don't touch it. I mean, that's just, or any personal deal, I just won't do it. Um, so that that's that's the, the, the filter that I created 25 years ago is the same filter that, I use now because it just has worked and we revisited it, the board. We revisit it every single year. Um, but I was in search of a larger platform. I really, really that, that I felt was something that I, uh, that I could do that I wanted to do. Um, so in that sense, yes, it's, it's not as hard. I'm not one of those people who is, you know, a recalcitrant, uh, hermit like recluse when I'm not on TV. Right. And there are people like that. I'm really lucky I get to live in a community where people are kind of used to me. So it's like, I'm not bugged in the supermarket. People just right. say hi. Hey, I mean, cause you know how it is. People see you on TV every day. Hold on. And I'm still Googling recalcitrant. Okay, they, go ahead. So they're like, they're, they're, you know, this is an incredible community that realizes super respectful of people's time. If I'm with my kid, people here don't bother me. If I'm with my kid in other cities, everyone wants to bother me. It, mm. it makes me realize how special our community is. And maybe that's just cause I grow up you know, I've grown up here and, you know, my family's here. And so I, you know, I think there's a, an element of that that's sort of, you know, self-induced. But also, but folks here are also super proud of you. And they're super cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, this community is the community that saved my life. So there's, I owe them a, de- I'm, I have, and maybe I also have an endless amount of patience for anyone here. Whereas I'm not sure I do that in other places because I feel that I owe Minnesota and its people a debt that's so big I could never ever repay it, which is why I'm, you know, endlessly trying to promote and talk about our state and why I insist on shooting 
episodes of TV in the state and arguing with network executives about, no, we have to shoot this story here. Um, because the more that we can do here and show people what our community is about, I think just we have so much to offer and we're still so misunderstood. I think it's changing. Um, I think it's, I think people are now aware that this is an incredible place to live, work, visit, hang out in, eat, go to theater, sports. I mean, you know, our city is second to no one, right? Um, you know, we're in the conversation on everything now, culturally. Um, but I, anyway, and I love this place. The, the part of the celebrity that is hard is that in today's um, world of social media shaming, in today's world of, you know, gotcha, yeah. right? It is, it's very hard to be someone who's out there. And I just keep reminding myself that's what comes with the territory. And I've grown, I've gotten better at it. I actually get these secondhand resentments. You know, like if, um, if you tweet out a recipe and uh, for apple pie and you spell apple with one P, you'll get a hundred tweets, including some that say, hey, moron, apples with two Ps. <laughs> TV guy, expletive, 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 right? I mean, that just happens, right? You're, you're laughing because you know it's true and you've seen it, right. okay? There's something about that that's like, obviously, like, it's a typo. Like, get over it. Like, that's a lot different than saying, you know, I believe that, you know, parking meters should all be $100 an hour. I mean, that's something where someone could say, you know, hey, moron, get right. over yourself. Right. That's But, you know, there's this, there's this horrific, horrific... Thing that the distancing of social media and phones, these things that were supposed to be convenient and connective, um, have a downside that we're still figuring out because they're brand new. And, you know, that has made it a little tough. Um, I will say there's also, and, and, you know, poor me, poor me, poor me, right? Um, I rationalize it very well the next day and I'm over it really quickly. But when you're in it, it's hard when, you know, Someone is screaming at you because you've done something stupid and your kid is crying and having to melt down and there's a piece of toilet paper coming off your shoe and someone comes up and physically grabs you to pull you over to a family member to take a picture. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. There is the thought that goes from my mind like you, you were watching me for a minute and you're choosing now yeah. to walk over and yeah. do this. Like clearly I'm having like a bad human moment. Um, but I think you also have a contract with the universe. When you take that step into the public world, you, you give away some of that. T uh, Tony Bourdain said something to me way before either of us became who we ended up becoming. The very first TV commercial promo that we ever did for Travel Channel, he had shot the first season of uh, what would what was No Reservations okay. um, in the can, and it was literally about to start airing. And I had just filmed like the first three episodes of Bizarre Foods, so my stuff wasn't going to come online for another six eight months. But the network knew that they'd already made the decision that Tony's show was at nine, mine was going to be at eight they would launch mine as a lead on his night and then peel my show over to Tuesdays, right? Once it got, if it was a hit and if it got established. And we we're sitting there just BSing before the cameras are rolling. And um, 
I, I made some comments about, you know, he said, how's it going with the shooting or whatever? And I used the word integrity in a sentence. And he says, you don't have any integrity anymore. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, the minute you sign a contract with a TV network, mm. it's all over. You, you are now, he says, there's a good trade-off. You get to tell stories to the world and you get to influence people. And if it's a hit, you get to influence what those stories are. But you've already sold that away. The Faustian bargain is already made, my friend. And I thought that was very, very true. And I think about that a lot in terms of growth as a celebrity, growth, you know, as a person in the public eye. Um, you sign away a lot of things that used to be just yours are no longer just yours. You share them. You share them with the community and with the world. And you have to take being judged. Yep. And be okay with that. Yep, and and that goes both sides. That yeah. goes the praise and oh, and, for sure. And, and as a public right. person, I love that. There was actually a thing uh, last night was uh, uh, Twin Cities Business Hundred Influential Minnesotans or whatever, and they named their Twin Cities Business Person of the Year, and uh, it was Brian Cornell from uh, Target. And then there's 99 other people in their top 100. And it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And some years I'm in it, some years I'm not in it. This year I was in it, which was very flattering. Kudos. Love to be in it on any list. Yeah. And I was in a category with 12 other people that it, it wasn't like on the bubble, but like it, it didn't say on the bubble. It didn't say make it, break it, ear or whatever. But it was it, it, the, the title of our little group, our pod was you know, hey, the world's watching you. You got to have a good 2020 if you want to <laughs> stay on the list, right? Which if you're a magazine, yeah. uh, you know, group of editors saying, right, it's a great category, right? And uh, actually a bunch of sports people in there. My friend uh, Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves, Timberwolves GM is is on there too um, because he's been brought in to, to get a certain job done. Yeah. Right. He's on, he's, and he's on the you know, process. like him, like, like, you know, Bill, who's got the same job with the wild, you know, like anyone who's, you know, running a sports team, it's like, you're, you're judged by how the team does on the field. Right. Or the ice. And so they're looking at, you know, I mean, 2019, I didn't really make any television. Right. Cause I was on the bench. My travel channel contract was over. They went ghost and paranormal. Right. So there's all kinds of rumors flying, like why I'm not on, TV anymore, but then half the world is like, I love your show. We watch it all the time because they're watching reruns and they're clueless that they're not new. Um, and you know, 2020 is going to be a big year for me because I've been making all the TV that doesn't air on the new networks that I'm working for until 2020. So I'm really excited to be in the, uh, well, you know, make it break it year group because I think I've got a lot of new stuff that's going to come out. Uh, and that's that competitive, side of me that's like totally okay with the equation with the game that we're all paying uh, playing i think the most important reason that i'm okay with all of it um is you're able to uh make a lot of change for the better in this world right so when you meet someone you know, uh, someone tweeted me last night, they're two years sober because they saw some TV special that I did about wow. recovery. And Jeez. that was the night they went, they decided I'm going into treatment, right? Um, we did a make a wish thing here last week for a young local kid. Like that's the one-on-one -on -one kind of stuff. 
then you can actually move the needle on really big issues and go to Washington, D.C. and work on, you know, the the farm bill and try to get food stamps expanded instead of uh, reduced. I worked on the Electrify Africa campaign and got then Senators Corker and Franken to take it out of an omnibus bill and help us get the legislation passed so that we, you know, got more energy, you know, um, profound. I into, mean, is, you, you get to work on really yeah. cool stuff and people listen to you if you've had the life experience of going there. You get to be on boards and really make some, some positive change in your community. I wouldn't trade that for anything. And no, I'm no different now than I was 10 years ago, maybe a little smarter, right? Because as you get older, you're a little smarter. Um, but the only difference is I'm a public person. And so people will listen to me. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying if that's the way it is, I'm willing to play that game because I'm able to make a lot of change for the causes that I believe in. And I, I mean, I spend the, actually the largest amount of my time on, on that stuff. I mean, between the three businesses and my, uh, I'll just call them charitable efforts. Yep. I mean, that's, everyone says, what's your hobby? And I'm like, lobbying Congress. <laughs> I mean, you're like, what's your hobby? I mean, like I'm, I'm out there nonstop trying to, you know, work on mental health parity laws, you know, I'm a globalist. So, you know, I believe in, you know, an internationalist agenda, uh, not, a, not a nationalist one. And there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. Um, I think the more that we raise up um, impoverished people in other countries, it's not, a, it's not because I don't care about Americans. I just think it, it makes us safer. Do you worry about- It makes our world function better. Do you better. worry about having too many agendas into which you it gets diluted does that is that oh a, yeah you have, to, you have to monitor that i mean that's why you have a board and that's why you have other people to work with and we go i stay within a very narrow lane yeah. you know if someone calls me up well actually this just happened the other day you know the um uh there was some uh, a, a lot of big charities with medical concerns and stuff like that and a lot of them based here and really big and they keep saying we need you we need you how come you don't do this and it's like here, here's my four or five issues and right. everything I do has to fit in there because otherwise I'm, I'm spread too thin and, you know, I'll make a donation, sure. you know, but I'm, I, I'm not going to put up an item for your live auction yeah. or something because everything that or, or time or join your board or whatever it is that's being asked only because for that very reason, we've already isolated the things that I want to work on. And I'm super, super passionate about what I'm trying to do. The way you save time is that you start to bring your professional world into that thing that fulfills you so much. So um, I have, you know, a lot of issues that I care really strongly about. Yeah. And so I've incorporated those into the two new TV projects awesome. that I'm doing in 2020 so that the more stuff is aligned as opposed to looking at it like, hey, your extracurricular activities are kind of a standalone from your work activities. And I'm like, well, my extracurricular activities are what keeps me sane, keeps me happy. If you don't give it away, you're not going to keep it. If you're not raising other people up, you know, it's a big problem. Okay, if that's what makes me happy, let me align my work more with that stuff. And so, and so disc golf, where does that fall in, into the whole? That is my yoga. Okay. Do you play golf golf? I, or as we call it, yeah. ball golf. Um, Andrew, I I play probably two or three charity tournaments a year, and I I, I can't stomach it much. Are past you worse that. than me? I probably am. I it's, doubt it. I'm bad. I play dude, two or three charity tournaments a year too. Dude, if I if I break a hundred, it's like 
unheard of. If I break 110, okay. I'm pretty stoked. Okay. We're the same. Okay. We're the same. Um, so, but, but I, what sucks is that every once in a while, I'll just hit just, uh, just a baller of a shot. And right. I'm but like, that's oh what God. golf is right, and the sound it makes and it feels so good. And that's what gets you hooked because yeah. it's chasing the dragon. It's, it's like, it's like I'm back in the 1880s in an opium den in London. I mean, that's how it feels. It's like, boom, like that was perfect. I need to, that feeling, I'm going to get it on the next shot. And then you don't, it's like, oh, what did I do? Um, but I'm, and, I'm here to tell, I'm here to tell. No, you're a bad golfer. That's but, but I'm, I'm here to tell, the, I'm here to tell my listeners that, that you are extremely good at, at disc golf, which well, I've, which I, and, and that's sort of a niche sport, but it's definitely got a following. Second it's good. fastest growing sport in America. And is it really? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, what, what I love most about disc golf is that I can go out at seven in the morning, any month of the year, or when I'm on the road, yeah. I have a small, uh, kit that I travel with and I can get two or three hours in of solitude where all you're focused on is the weather, the conditions, the disc, the flight of the disc, your form. And there are certain sports like that. Ball golf is one of them, right? Where some people use it as their yoga. Like it's fun to go out with friends and BS and give each other a bunch of crap and all the rest of that I usually don't. I, I play better when I'm playing with strangers um, than with my friends. But it, to me, it's not about how well I play. It's just I'm so focused because I have to be. Otherwise, your disc is like off in, off in the woods and you're looking for it, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just like ball golf, except, you know, with ball golf, I'll just drop another ball. I mean, screw it. I'm buying right. them by the bucket. I mean, you know, I'm lo- I know I'm losing 100. Plus, you got a force behind favorite, you that's getting upset yeah, that you're taking so long. My favorite discs, my favorite discs are my favorite discs. Um, I don't want to lose them. They're broken in. And so I'm so focused. It's actually the two or three hours of the day where I'm not thinking about anything else. And that's probably good for you. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, that's why I called it my yoga. You know, when I'm walking the dog, everything is great. And I, it's like a meditation and I say some things in my head, but then some weird thoughts creep in about a meeting that day or a problem I'm having with a friend or something with my kid. And, you know, just normal stuff where you just need to have something that cleans your mind out. If you don't have a daily spiritual practice for yourself, um, I think as a human being, you, um, are really missing out on something that can improve your life. My, my life got a lot better when I started widening the number of daily spiritual practices I have. So I have, you know, a little five minute thing I do in the morning. I have a little two minute thing that I do at night, but when I can do something during the middle of the day, I was talking to a guy at a business conference once who wrote this book about stress for, uh, executives and leaders. And he said, keep a mitt and a ball in your office and make sure someone else at the office has a mitt. And I'm like, why? And he said, your, your body, your, your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala will not operate simultaneously. So you actually can't be thinking of problems and big stuff, right? Prefrontal cortex, like analysis paralysis. You can't do that when you're worried about a baseball coming at your head and you have to lift your arm to catch it with a glove. And the syncopation, if you get into a rhythm playing catch with someone where the balls are the same speed and the thwop of the ball and the glove, that it's one of the biggest stress reducers that there is. So I, I keep the ball and glove here and I play catch. I've got a disc golf uh, 
um, catcher outside, you know, our hole yeah. is a vertical catcher with chains. Yep. Um, so I can do putting practice for 10 minutes and just takes me out of whatever it is during the day. You gotta have cooking is like, that's why I love cooking. I go, if, if I cook something, I'm not thinking about anything else except chopping those carrots. You can't because otherwise you're going to cut your finger off, right? And I'm so into the final, I'm so focused on making sure that that thing turns out. It's, it's beautiful. So c cooking is spiritual. Oh, without it. Are you kidding me? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the, uh, and, and golly, we could go on and on, but like, um, I have totally admired and appreciated the way you've kind of transitioned your career out of eating whatever slime bugs sure. to, 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 to where you're at now. And, and I, I would imagine you're pretty proud of it also. And the way things have kind of mushroomed in, in, in all sorts of different ways. One of the, one of the things, and we could talk about what you're doing in Napa and what you're doing on mm -hmm. Capitol Hill and all this stuff. But, but I, I, I think that like locally, um, it's really impressive what you're doing, um, with the teams here in town. Uh, and, and can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, with our catering company? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's fascinating Gavin, to me. Gavin Kaysen, uh, Spoon and Stable, Belcour, Demi, um, is, uh, is a partner. We're partners in several different businesses. Um, and I'm involved in his restaurants and he's involved in my concessions and some other stuff. And then we own some some businesses outright together. Sure. And one of the things that we created, which we're super, super stoked about is, um, is KZ provisioning. And it gets its name from the provisioners who take people on expeditions, right? Because, right. I'm curious, explorer, adventure, learning, leave Perfect. the world a better place. Gavin's, uh, corporate mission statement is very much aligned with mine. And we thought, why not cater to the local sports teams? The athletes and their families and the executives are being underserved on the food side. And so far, we have two clients. We've been working with the Minnesota Wild now for three years with the Wolves. This is our first season. Um, and we, we have developed nutritionally sound diet-changing, life-changing food for the athlete in the family, right? So when you look at someone like Tom Brady, there can be a lot of reasons, not the last three games, but, you know, <laughs> the career before then. Um, part of the reason at 40 years old that he is taking pictures on the beach with Gisela and the kids on a Tuesday, whereas Brett Favre used to take pictures from his bed with the black and blue legs and all mm -hmm. the rest of that, he attributes to his diet, right? And I had a chance to, I'm friends with his longtime chef that has gone on and written a bunch of books. And, you know, I was talking to Alan about this years and years and years ago at a Super Bowl that the Patriots were in and Alan had flown in for it. And uh, he said, yeah, it's just, you know, the more food with glucosamine and chondroitin, we can extend his career. We can, he can, uh, body repairs quicker from an injury. He's less prone to injury because he's more flexible, right? Yeah. And part of that is his, he actually does yoga and Pilates and all this kind of new age. Well, it's not new age, it's old age, right. but for athletes, it's a new thing so that he's more flexible. But if you're, if, if nutritionally you're treating your body, you know, as a machine, those last couple years of your contract could be the most profitable ones that you have, right? Yeah. So if we can totally. help teams be a little healthier, be a little faster, 
repair a little better, feel better, get better sleep. It has to show up on the court. And food does all those things. Second thing, the food, the people that are providing the food for the team also provide food for the families before and after games, all the practices, all the executives and other members of the of the team in the office. So they're also needing to, you know, they're under such stress, they're working 14-hour days. You know, if you're in marketing for a pro sports team, it's seven days a week, 14 hours a day in season. It maybe goes to nine to five off season, maybe, right? Yeah. So it's as important we take care of them, the players, kids. If the player and the and the and the spouse know that children are eating well and healthy and not just pounding a, a giant, you know, party bowl of Mike and Ike's before the game, right? I mean, th that's beneficial for them. If we can provide healthy food for them to take home after the game, if we can provide recipes and in some cases in-home services, if we can help the athletes change their food lives, we can help the team's performance, their bottom line, the players' careers, and all of that. Not every player is able to hire their own private team to work around them the way someone like Tom Brady famously did. Um, so we we love this. I mean, it's, 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 it's so much fun to work with these micro communities that have such an impact on the greater community. And our hope is that a lot of the stuff that we're working with eventually will make its way down to the consumer in the not too distant future, right? So one of the problems with eating healthy and well that the players have is, well, I know I should be eating lean protein, but I can only eat a grilled chicken breast so many nights of the week. And it's like, dude, we're about to blow your mind. There's like, you should be eating a grilled chicken breast once a month. Here's 30 other amazing meals that you can have that, by the way, are ideally suited to your chemical makeup because in the case of the Wolves, we partner with the Mayo Clinic and, and yeah, doctors and, sure. you know, we get information from a custom Fitbit program. So it's going that deep. Yeah, oh, it's, very, yeah. it's going very deep. What we're trying to tell them is that, like, you know, if you want to go through the drive-thru and crush 10 tacos at Taco Bell at 1 in the morning, do so at your own risk because we're going to know the next day when we're reading your Fitbit <laughs> and you come in, right? So the technology has gotten to the point where well, they're like, well, then what do I substitute for that? It's like, you want that? Here's, here's an avocado taco bowl, whatever, that's like super healthy, super awesome. And yes, we can bake strips of tortilla because, you know, in your case, you're burning you're practicing four hours. Hockey players burn so much during, they can eat anything they yeah. want. I'm jealous. It's like, you know, dude, you don't need to be losing weight. Like eat the calories, take the tortillas. Like they're good for you. Like take the tortillas. You need carbs. Oh, um, Raleigh fingers. So, you, have a good you know, but if it's seasoned and it's, 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 it's cooked the right way, it's, it's such a game changer for the players yeah. because you have to remember from all these different teams, they didn't necessarily come from food forward families. Right? Probably right. Yep. And, you know, they want, you know, they're reading all the magazines and they're saying, yeah, I know I should be eating healthier, but how can I? So that's what KZ provisioning, that's the premise of it. And we have a lot of expansion plans for 2020 in state and out of state. And uh, we're really, really excited about it. It's, it's so so cool. And they're huge investments. So, I, you know, I, I think for the teams, it's a no-brainer to be doing this. Because well, it, the, the dollars. So, many, so much money into these athletes. The, well, they're, they're paying like, to feed yeah. them anyway. So the dollar, between, the dollar difference between feeding them 
and feeding them well with us is not that much of a difference, really, if any. Um, We just feed them well. And we have custom programs for players. A lot of our stuff with the Wolves got a lot of press this year because they really sought it out. We're doing really amazing things with the Wild. And, you know, the the new GMs uh, on these teams are, are... are convinced that this is helping. We have the data that says it's helping. I, I think the last thing I saw from the Wolves this is the first, I may be getting this slightly wrong, but I think I'm right. Right enough to at least say it. Uh, I think this is the first time in team history that everyone on the team is under uh, the goal body fat. Wow. Uh, now that I should point out, sometimes if you're near goal or not quite a goal, it doesn't interfere with play or whatever, but it's less strain on joints, all that unnecessary. We, we don't all need to be Adrian Peterson, right? right? Speaking of low body fat, or me, uh, on the other side of the equation. Um, but you are what you eat, and it really does. If, if, it gets an, if someone's able to score an extra two points a game or stay in the game for an extra 30 seconds or extend their career by a year, productive, huge win you add all that up across an entire team that's an amazing amazing thing and the peace of mind the players and the families the feedback we get from them is that the family is doing better because they're eating better that's that's just amazing to us so we love it we love it super exciting and that's just one of the things he's got cooking, uh, if I can use Liter- it. Oh, oh I saw what you did there. Um, have an awesome 2020 uh, because it's, you're under the microscope. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm, on the right. I'm on the bubble. I'm on the bubble. 2020 is going to be a good year. I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm really jazzed about 2020. I think, I think it's good. 2018 and 2019 were, I mean, between stuff in my personal life, my professional life, I mean, every life is fired at point blank range, right? We all have parents who get sick, kids that aren't doing well. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just life stuff. It's not like career stuff or anything like that. Like we're all going to be fine. I always tell people, you know, if the, if, if, you know, if some cat, a zombie apocalypse happened, I go and I open up a, a roadside sandwich shop. I mean, I do that and I just make whatever the meat of the day is. I roast it over fire and I slap it on some homemade bread. I mean, that's like easy. I will do that and I will be fine, right? So I don't worry about that. But 2018 and 2019 had so many challenges and so many things that came out of left field um, that I'm really excited about what 2020 is bringing because the things that I just don't know what else that was a challenge could happen that hasn't already happened. So I'm like, just on that level alone, just it's going it to great. You know, yeah, it's like exactly. the waves, the waves are smaller. So the swimming is easier. Still got to swim, but the swimming is easier. Andrew Zimmern. Thank you so much. Thanks buddy. Let's go play catch. Oh, and that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to perk at pod on zonecoverage.com. Be sure to follow them on all social media platforms. They're doing some amazing things here at this space. I'm telling you what, some really smart people up in this building for sure. And follow me on all social media platforms as well. If you will, uh, from Instagram to YouTube, to Twitter, Facebook, you can usually find me at perk at play. One word. Perk Epa. Find out what he'll say. Perk Epa. Sometimes he's at.